0: hello and welcome to carol's coffee house a place where catholic singles in their 20s and 30s can grow in community and deepen their spiritual life i'm sarah i'm mora pull up a chair and let's get chatting hey guys sarah how are you doing i'm good how are
1: you I'm doing well and today we have a guest his name is tim
2: hi guys yeah um i gotta tell you So we're recording this on a Saturday. You guys know that. But those of you who are listening, don't Mm -hmm. we're recording this on a Saturday. I'm a father of three, including one who will be born soon. I got to tell you, I did the most dad thing of all time today. Mm -hmm. I got up. I just woke up on my own 635 and I thought, oh, I really want to go back to sleep. But instead I got out of bed, put on my beat up old grass-covered tennis shoes, went out 7:05 in the morning, boom, starting the lawn mower on a Saturday morning. There's nothing more dad than mowing the lawn at 7:05 on a Saturday. That's what I've decided.
0: That is a pro dad move right there. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: See, here's the thing though, we live in this whole like cancel culture thing. I've I've heard people say stand-up comedians will be the cure for cancel culture because they're the only ones who can say anything and still have a career. And I'm like, yeah, there's truth to that. I think dads are the cure because, you know, society can look at us and be like, you know, oh, yeah, we, we don't like what you said. And it's like, OK, I got to go mow the lawn. Like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> oh, I, I hate everything you stand for. Yes. Yeah, so do my kids. Like, you know, like <laughs> we don't care. We have other things to do. And you canceling us we don't care. We just don't care. So I think dads are the cure to cancel culture. That's you know, what? get out, mow the lawn, 705 AM. Oh, it's too loud. I don't care. Okay. I have to mow the lawn. <laughs> you also right. you
0: you can't hear it either because of the lawnmowers. You're like, what? Sorry. Yeah, oh, oh,
2: don't mow know what you're lawn. talking about. Oh, sorry, neighbor. Oh. I actually have a very nice neighbor, so it's not a problem. <laughs> <But> <laughs> if I didn't, I'd be like, I can't hear you. I got noise canceling headphones. I know some people that are on. like,
1: I understand there's like a like a whole fight in my like tweet or my status but i gotta go pick up my kid from work so have fun and i gotta go clean my kitchen
2: yeah exactly exactly i got stuff to do like i gotta go like
1: clean and like go cook dinner and grocery shop and then pick up some kids from work and drop other people off
2: yeah you keep yelling at me online and i will not come back like i got stuff to do that's Mm. i don't know that's just oh yeah there's been like
1: twitter stuff lately that it's like just like lately like yes yeah, some light debate <laughs> or just like conversations about different things and then people are like texting me like hey and i'm like oh yeah i saw that and i was literally busy with so i i'm now a full-time employee i got it i'm working and i'm like yeah i was literally busy and i can't respond so then i'm like it's going to be a minute before i respond to most people
2: <laughs> sure oh man <laughs> It's it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what when when my wife and I got married, shortly after we had our first kid, the local Catholic radio station they were like, "Hey, come on and talk about vocations." And we're like, "Okay, we've been mm-hmm. married for like a year and a half. Sure, we're excellent." Yeah, we've been married for
1: three seconds. Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> it's better than when they had us give a natural family planning witness talk after two months or whatever it was of marriage. <laughs> like, hey, come on, get in here. I'm like, okay, whatever. No, but we were on the radio and they were asking us, like, what, so what's changed, you know, since you became parents? We're like, oh, it turns out we don't care. We don't care. People are, oh, it should be this way. Uh, I don't care. I have a kid. I'm busy. I've got a baby who needs to be changed. I've got a baby who wakes up in the middle of that. I don't care. So it turns out we realized, one, we used to be very selfish. I mean, I still am. But we used to be very selfish. And also, we just no longer care. People can be judgmental or whatever i don't care i also think there should be a tv show called judgmental where it's two separate words and it's a very judgmental judge i don't know that My would pitch. be an
0: interesting show
2: now it would be canceled after three episodes it would, really <laughs> it would be really cheesy i mean some some major network spends millions of dollars like check this out people are like this is really bad you made there was a show like 20 years ago with alicia silverstone Oh, what was that called? It was, uh, oh man, it was something, and it was a pun. It was some sort of pun, and again, it got canceled right away. Misconnection, Miss I think, is what it was called. Misconnection, and she was a dating connection person, and no one watched it because it was just one pun anyway mm. I don't... <laughs> yeah.
0: that's really funny do you know about the there's like wait like if you ever go on craigslist and you get into like there's a different categories for everything but there's a category in the personal section called missed connections and yes it's these people it's like <gasps> yes goes back and forth between mostly creepy but it's just like these people who notice a stranger or had an interaction or just saw them so they'll say missed connections they'll go post on Craigslist, be like, hey, I noticed this about you. You're really pretty. Or I wish I would have like blah, blah, blah. Borderline creepy. No, no, no. It definitely gets creepy. That the fact that they go to the internet and write this out in hopes that this person will also go onto the misconnection page and try to find them. It's very interesting.
2: Oh, that's so, here's here's how I, I see that. If I had a missed connection with somebody and I went and posted that, and they found me, I wouldn't want to be dating someone from a missed connection thing. That's so I'd be like, nope, you're creepy. I mean, I was that's creepy for creepy. posting it, but you're creepy for responding, <laughs> Mm-mm, not gonna happen. <laughs> Just not, gonna, you shouldn't want to date me either. This is wrong, Mm-mm, not gonna happen. <laughs> that's that's how I feel, that's how I feel. Oh, that's Ugh. so
1: funny. I didn't
2: know so Craigslist was, I didn't know Craigslist was still a thing. I thought that that was, you know, that was a thing 15 years ago I'm old I'm you know I'm not chronologically old I'm old as a person like that's <laughs> different. Soul. that's different I'm I'm 35 going on 80 I am and that's fine that's fine
0: okay I um, know man. I know 18 year olds who are 18 going on 80
2: so there you go just, yeah just and odd. I bet they can still do a sit-up so you know good for them that's <laughs> for uh, them. oh man I tried oh. to do sit-ups recently. Don't do it. It's just I bad. <laughs> I <still> do <a laughs>
0: sit-up.
1: I do crunches. Oh, I don't do sit-ups.
2: Oh, man. I, I, was, I was breaking up a desk. We were getting rid of a desk. And, you know, I have an ax because why not? I'm a dad. And so I'm out in our backyard. I'm just chopping this thing to pieces. I swear to you, the next day, I thought my upper stomach was ripping itself out. I was like, this is what it feels like to have abs, except not because it's just pure pain. I was like wincing, getting out of bed. And all I did was swing an ax a few times. And and I'm not in bad shape. Like, that's how that's how there's a phrase in your 30s called deconditioning where you're like, oh, yeah," my doctor told me that he's like, yep, we're in our 30s. Yeah, this is when it all goes downhill. I'm like, in our 30s?
0: No. Yeah, I actually learned when I went to school and I took a human development class and in the human development class I learned that yeah, the best shape, physical shape that you will ever be in in your life is when you are about in your mid 20s, mm-hmm. early to mid 20s. That is your ability to be in the best physical shape of your life because yes, once you hit 30, it all starts to go downhill. And I remember hearing that, like looking at that and being like, I cannot believe that I was
1: in great shape in my mid-20s I will say that like I had a personal trainer I was working out regularly I was in amazing shape
2: my mid-20s was when I could take teenagers on like a pilgrimage or something and one of them would have an emotional crisis at 11 p.m. and then mm-hmm. I'd have to be up at 4 at 30 so I could be ready to get them at 5 30 or whatever it was And I'd end up running on like two, two to three hours of sleep a night. And I'd do it for four or five days. And I'd be like, this is great. Adrenaline. Actually, they used to ask me. The teens were like, how do you do it? I'm like, the two most powerful things in the planet, prayer and Mountain Dew. They're the only (laughs) things that kept me going. And the fact that I once got recognized by a Taco Bell employee, because I went there so often that I, I pulled up and I ordered something. She goes, oh, that's what you ordered yesterday. And I thought, oh, no, I have to change all of my life decisions now. Like, that's really not good. That's not good. Oh. I
0: don't know. I like to be a regular, though. It's just there's so much stability. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but in a Taco Bell drive through like, that's... <laughs> That's, that's a, it's not like you're a regular at a restaurant or a bar. I I was a regular to, at a rest at, at a restaurant with a bar one time. Hmm. So often, I walked hmm. in because hmm. I was selling something to somebody I knew there, and they just started pouring me a beer before I even sat down or anything. I was like, I'm not staying. They're like, Well, we already poured half the beer, so you have to drink it. I was like, I guess I'm staying. Like, what are I you gonna do? I'm so oh. was, uh, <laughs>
0: There's a tasting room, a beer a beer shop where I live and the bartender, she is fantastic. She's so good. I walk in and I'll like walk up to the bar and she's, she knows what I like. That's the best part is she remembers everything that I like or that I want to try. And so before I can even say anything, before I can look, she's like, okay, you want to try this one? You're going to really like it. And nice. I always do, but she always knows what I like. And <laughs> sometimes they're promoting beers are like they get they get a, a shipment of beers that they're trying to push sometimes she'll just like send me home with a couple cans just like we just need to get them out of here can you please nice. take them and i was like yes yes i will she's fantastic nice. i really like her
2: it's like getting a credit card for the points if you're gonna go to a bar so often that you become the regular that they give you the free drink you gotta spend five hundred dollars in drinks before they give you a free one yep, so that's, yep, that's just true. not worth it this is this, this this is the dad in me don't get a credit card and spend a thousand dollars so you can get $20 in points. Okay. Young lady. That's like that's what, that's the dad. I'm just, I can't, I like can't get me- it out.
1: So this is just making me think about, so I'm about to start paying off my student loans and I'm also about to buy a car. So I'm getting a used car for a really good price. I'm I, the car that I'm looking at, it is of higher mileage, but I'm like, okay, it's, gonna be really quick to pay like to make all those payments while i'm like erasing my student loans and then once two years down the road or so i can buy myself a new car
2: (laughs) maybe (laughs) don't get ahead of yourself don't get ahead of yourself on that well once i
1: need one then i'm like i'll i'll be able to afford it for sure and are you
2: hmm. are you planning on buying a car straight out or are you planning on making payments on a car
1: making payments
2: okay good okay that's the yeah here's here's what you do again dad dad coming in is once you finish paying it you continue to take that payment every month put it aside in an account and then that goes toward your next car yeah, yeah. that's that's the dad advice
0: this is great financial advice <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> well when you're when you're a dad you have to do that right and when you're a youth minister you're poor so you have to figure out how to every little penny and you yep. know i mean well, i mean another piece of advice don't go to Taco Bell so often that they recognize you. That's a bad sign <laughs> okay, so on your the wallet thing. Like, too. I,
1: so I am living with my parents and I'm not paying good.
2: Rent. Do and it. They're
1: paying my car insurance. So like,
2: nice. like,
1: cause they're just like, well, they want me to stay at home as long as I can to help me save money. It will be cheaper to do that than to like go get an apartment. So I, in order to like, for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like go get a cheap car. That's going to function well and do what I need to do. Get to work, get to my boyfriend's house and it will do well on highways I'm gonna pay off my student loans real quick. Cause I mean, I can. Yeah. Like, I'm in a place to do that. I'm not paying rent. I'm not paying utilities. I'm not paying all that other stuff. I share groceries
0: with my, with my family.
2: This is turning into the financial advice podcast. <laughs> Catholic finances. Oh, those and are two so I'll be words able to like,
0: in a row. What's funny is actually financial. That's episodes, what are wanting to have that. It's on our short list. So <laughs> oh, is maybe, it? yeah. So maybe. So if Jamie, you want to come, back, come back and talk and, about yeah. that, you're welcome.
2: You know, my wife and I have just either come up with or learned a lot of little things
0: yeah you have to and some those little things can actually make a huge difference oh they
2: make an enormous difference
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, so should we get into it yes we can get into our espresso shot for the day our espresso shot comes from the patron of this podcast as a matter of fact it is by saint pope john paul the great or just saint John Paul the great we should probably figure out how to say his name the right way
2: half the time I just call him JP too I think everybody
0: else does as well but yes our espresso shot today comes from Pope John Paul II and he says it is Jesus in fact that you seek when you dream of happiness he is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you he is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provokes you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life. It is he who reads in your hearts your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. Awesome. I love this one. It's so, there are so many amazing gold nuggets in this quote that I really really love
2: you know what I, I love I, I love about this so I was I was reading it yesterday day before whatever it was and there's a line from Fulton Sheen and I meant to pull up exactly what the line is and exactly where it is but there's a line where he talked about how a lot of us are busy I think he phrased it as distracting ourselves to death or something like that but He was basically like, hey, yeah, y'all are going to those nightclubs and other things. You know, that was one of the references he used. Mm -hmm. But just the idea of a lot of us are doing that. And I think we do it more now than we did when Fulton Sheen was alive, more than when John Paul II was alive, is that we are so like, I can't be in silence. I have to be listening to something. I have to be watching something. I have to be looking at my screen. I have to be doing something. I can't. Just be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that really ends up with this. I, I say this and it, it might sound harsh, and I don't mean it to, but it's it turns into a little bit of idolatry and that we are choosing, you know, our social media or we are choosing something else over giving our attention to Christ. And none of those things will satisfy him, you know. So when I was reading this thing from JP2, I was just thinking, "Hey, Fulton Sheen said something similar and I liked it. I like it. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I read a book. I think it's called for, for our Catholic book club. We read once it's a book called the light of Christ um, by Thomas Joseph white. And the whole beginning of the book, he talks about how as humans, the thing that we most, the things that we most desire are truth and beauty and goodness. Those, those transcendentals At the core of our being, that is what we want. We seek and desire things that are true, things that are beautiful, things that are good. And sometimes I feel like, especially in the modern society where you get so many messages across the board from media and influencers, people who try to get their message out. And sometimes it doesn't match up with what Jesus tries to teach us. Sometimes people go and look for those things in places that they're not going to find it. Things that might make you, like addictions, vices, things that might make you good at least for a little while, but it's fleeting. And to think about how Jesus is the root of what you're seeking for. Jesus is the root of all those things, true and good and beautiful. Jesus is there and it's him that you're actually seeking, even if you don't. Know it, even if you don't realize it, he can give you all the things, all the greatest desires of your heart.
2: Yeah, I think there's to kind of building off what what you just said. There's something that struck me a number of months ago, is the reality that there is, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way. Like I think, oh, sin is good because I don't think sin is good, but there is within the draw to. A lot of sin. Mm-hmm. There is a reflection of something that's true and the yeah, idea the, that the like,
1: desire that is—it's taking you in one direction, but yeah, like, like you like, are desiring something good. Like, and it,
2: yeah. The example I I like to use is pornography is is bad. It's destructive. Mm-hmm. It's destructive to those consuming it, to those mm-hmm. involved in its production, to those who are in relationships with both of them. It's destructive to society maybe the most destructive force we have today, pornography is bad, but marital sex is good. God made the sexual act as a good thing. So God made the human body to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So God made these things and we're drawn to what is good. But in the case of like pornography, it's a distortion of what is good. But if there wasn't, if there wasn't a root of something in there that our our foundational self is drawn to i, I don't think we would sin nearly as much i think we we're drawn to something because you know we have sexual desires sexual yeah. desires are not in and of themselves a bad thing it's the use of them in ways that are improperly oriented and so i think that that's i don't know that's something this quote makes me think of does that make sense
0: mm-hmm. yes yeah i love that <laughs> yeah
2: sometimes I don't know if my brain I I know my brain doesn't always make sense and then it has to go through my my mouth and I'm like oh no that just (laughs) leads to disaster (laughs) I've told my wife I will be up in front of a crowd of 200 people speaking and I'll I'll be talking and I'll start saying something and part of me is like boy I hope the Holy Spirit finishes this sentence I'm curious how he's gonna do it like (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing Better be God taking that lead because I got I have no clue where this is going. And then there are genuinely times the sentence will finish and I'll be like, "Oh, that was really good. I'm glad somebody said that." And it's like, "Oh, I guess I guess that was sort of me. I I don't know. I don't know. It's it's fun because then I get to be." A part of both the presentation and I get to witness the presentation at the same time. It's fantastic. It's enjoyable for everyone. It really (laughs) is. It really is. I feel like I'm sitting there watching myself and presenting at the same time. So that's so cool. It also also might make me sound like a lunatic. I'm not sure. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: Well, does anyone have any final thoughts before we move into our topic for the day? No, I had no thoughts besides right. learning from Tim. <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and get into it. So we invited Tim here. Tim is a, I met him on Twitter, although he is no longer on Twitter. He is a dad and he has fantastic dad jokes. Tim is an experienced speaker on all kinds of topics, but specifically today, he's going to be here to talk about dating and discernment and mm-hmm. um and in particular the men's perspective yes. Yes. of dating um, yeah
2: i don't know maybe, how i give the women's perspective and I providing no. answers <laughs> and then also
1: like providing answers for some answers for women mm-hmm. yes so Hopefully.
0: tim you i believe you and your wife you your wife also helps with this ministry you kind of started this ministry called love worth chasing yeah Okay. Yeah, Why don't she, you tell us a little bit about that ministry?
2: Sure. Uh, well, I mean, it's pretty simple. We, uh, my wife's been a high-risk OB nurse for over a decade. I spent years as a parish youth minister. And after, after a good handful of years, I became a, I became a stay-at-home dad. But I, I kept feeling this call to continue doing ministry. And I'd always been a fan of Theology of the Body, and my wife grew up with her mom working with one of the natural family planning groups like that developed a method and so she she grew up knowing a lot about human vitae and everything like that so we just we both have this passion for these sorts of things and between her work as a nurse and my work as a youth minister we both saw a lot of brokenness and we recognized where that brokenness came from what a lot of the foundation of that brokenness essentially we saw that most people don't recognize or comprehend their own dignity and if they do they still often don't recognize or comprehend the dignity of others Mm. and that essentially serves as the foundation of a lot of hurt so we we talk about some things like that, little theology of the body, little humanity vitae. But uh, you know, I gave a talk recently on Saint Joseph as the most chaste spouse, and uh, so you know, like a lot of that sort of stuff. And so we really talk about a lot of things relationship related. We are not a relationship advice like, oh, well, here's the ten tips to a perfect marriage. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not a thing. No, okay, <laughs> like that's not. You're, maybe you're trying to sell a book or get a blog read or something. I don't know. But those, those when people speak in those absolutes, it drives me nuts because mm-hmm. there are absolutes and you're diminishing real absolutes. But anyway, we, we really, we work to promote the dignity of every person and to help people recognize their dignity and, mm-hmm. and see the dignity of others because we were made to be relational creatures. You know, yeah. the God is a relational God, even if you take us out. God is a Trinitarian God. And then we were made to be in relationship with God. So we are relational creatures by nature. And when we don't recognize our dignity or the dignity of others, it's really difficult to have a healthy relationship. So we talk about whatever we need to talk about related to that, essentially. Yeah,
0: that is awesome. And I love that because I think I'm a big believer in you can't give what you don't have. And so it really, if you want to be able to have good and healthy relationships with other people, you also need to be good with yourself. Well, um, Tim, we're really glad you're here. We're really, uh, Tim has some really great insight just about discernment and dating we're really excited. Also, he he is married, so he knows what he's talking about. He's an expert. He's
2: he he's done it. He's good. Uh, well, let's let's be fair. My wife knows what she's talking about. <laughs> she's you know, I'm I'm just lucky that I found someone that was you know. I it, it feels like it almost happened by accident like that. Was, <laughs> oh, like you know, uh, no it. <laughs> It all worked out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and we I mean, and we also did like send you questions. That's like, okay, what are some things that we need to know that nobody talks about when it comes to like the engagement phase and like once you're married and like what each person needs and like what you have found to be helpful. How do you continue to pursue someone? How do you feel loved by somebody?
2: <laughs> yeah, you guys want to get into some of those.
0: I mean, we yes, can. we, uh, <laughs> okay. you, the floor is yours. You can oh, okay. get started and I'm super excited about this. Yes.
2: So. Awesome. 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 Yeah. So you guys, you guys sent me a bunch of questions and let me, let me just kind of run through some of them and, okay. and make sure that I, I answer what came to me. So one of the things you guys sent was to, you said to define discernment in the context of marriage. And I was thinking about that. There's this analogy I came up with where my wife and I bought a house. Mm hmm. When we bought a house, our, our real estate agent said to us, okay, you need your, your must-haves and you need your wants. And so we made our list of our must-haves and our wants. You know, our must-haves are things like, okay, at least one bathroom. Oh, okay, good. You know, that, that one, that was easy. We needed it to be under a certain amount. We needed it to, or we wanted to have at least three bedrooms so we could have a handful of kids. And not be completely out of space. But we also were like, we would like a lot of bedrooms. But we know that's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So, or we know it could be unrealistic. So we made our, our must-haves list and our wants list. And I was talking to my wife about this in regards to discerning marriage and discerning within marriage. When my wife and I were both discerning marriage separately and then together, mm-hmm. it's like, well, well what, are our, what are our must-haves? What are our must-haves? And for me, I had a must-have where it was like, oh, okay, my wife must support raising kids Catholic. I That's would prefer my wife be Catholic, but that wasn't on my must-haves list. Now, my wife is Catholic, but I put that on my wants list, not my must-haves list. And so I was able to get some of the things on my must-haves list. You know, I also had on there, and I didn't physically come up with this list. <laughs> I'm just saying... There were things like, I would prefer to have in-laws who are really supportive of our faith. And I got that. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to have in-laws who live in town and can help babysit the kids. I did not get that one. Mm-hmm. So the, the difference between the must-haves and the wants, and to make sure that you really spend time figuring out what is on each list, because when you get those confused, that leads to a lot of different problems and it leads to, you know, you end up breaking up with somebody because they don't fit one of your wants because you've called it a must have, mm. or you end up staying with somebody and you might not stay with them. If you, you know, this is just a want, this isn't a must have, you know? So it's, I think that's an important part of discerning marriage itself. And then within marriage to go through that same process but to do so with another person. Now, discernment is not just making a decision. It's it's trying to incorporate God's will into your decisions and trying to align your will with God's. So, you know, really before I got married, before I, I mean, getting married, my wife had to agree to it. It's not like it was just me, but before getting married, I had to discern it was me and God. And mm-hmm. now that I'm married, I have to discern me, my wife and God. So mm-hmm. these things, It it requires compromise, it requires give and take, it requires a lot of these different things. But within marriage, you then have to work out what is on my must have list. You know, okay, we're married, all right. Okay, let's say we put, we must have kids. Okay, do we necessarily have to have them biologically? Or can adoption and biological kids, you know, the method of having kids become our children, can that be more of a, this is on my want list, as opposed to my must have list. And so, you know, we, we, from the very point of, you know, getting engaged, we talked about these sorts of things. And, you know, we acknowledge, hey, here's our plan, we're, we're going to try for biological kids for X amount of time. And then if that doesn't happen, okay, then we will look in to see how adoption you know, if, if that's going to work out for us and whatever it may be. But we talked about this and we figured out what we want children granted. It might not be God's will for us to have ever had a child. And that's one of the difficult things is maybe we don't have our own biological children. Maybe we don't, maybe we don't have any children we're not able to adopt for some reason. And that's really challenging. So I, I think back to the home buying analogy, if our must-haves hadn't been met, we weren't going to buy a house. We would have made, maybe gotten a condo, mm-hmm. maybe lived in an apartment, something like that. We would have rented a house, whatever it would have been. We wouldn't have purchased a house if it didn't meet our must-haves. Mm-hmm. And right. that, that I think is, we ha- you have to draw a line in the absolute, but you have to make sure to not put things in the absolute that you are you can actually be flexible. Does that all make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, you can you can push the analogy even farther. Before we bought this house, we had an inspector come in and look it over. Now don't physically have someone come in and inspect someone you're dating. Like don't be creepy. That's right. weird.
1: <laughs> but it's kind of like um when you're preparing for marriage and you're like meeting with the priest multiple times, they're kind of doing that. Like saying, I, "Okay, I, are you guys yeah. actually going to be compatible for marriage and is something that's wise to do right yeah i
2: was i was thinking members of your community they could be friends they could be family they could be the priest that you meet you know but even before you're engaged you gotta you know you you don't want to stay with someone if you know if you have a friend and you really trust this friend and you're like hey yeah you know i went on a few dates with x person and the friend is you know friend meets x person is like i got like 16 red flags immediately You know, that doesn't mean that you say, oh, well, then I can never see that other person again. But if you trust your friend, you take those red flags seriously, because sometimes Mm -hmm. our friends see things that we do not. We just yeah, we end up getting blinded by infatuation way too easily. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard someone say this once and it's not just about men, but he said it about men that men have a tendency to fall in love with the idea of a woman and not the woman herself, at least initially, Yes, because we don't know the person, but we fill in these blanks. You go to a young adult ministry event. I remember being the guy and you see a a woman there and she's at this. So maybe she's really into her faith. Maybe she's not, but maybe she's really into her faith. Also, she's really pretty. And then it's like, okay, do you think she'd marry me? Like, you don't say that out loud. You don't say it out loud because it's weird, <laughs> but you start filling in all these other blanks of mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe she's really funny. Oh, maybe she's really sweet. Oh, maybe she you know, this and this and this. And then, you know, you meet her and you actually open yourself. Yeah, I want to, I want to get to know this person. You realize, oh no, like so many of those things I thought were not true. And I think for some people that becomes now I can't date them. Right. And for other people that becomes, oh, now I shouldn't date them. So it, it really depends but we got to be careful. And the same thing worked with, with our house again, not to beat an analogy to death, but I remember the agent saying, Hey, when we go in, you guys are going to be like, Oh, it's got this size kitchen. Oh, it's got this room. It's got this space. We can do this with the space. He's like, I'm not going to look at any of that. I'm going to be looking at, do I see any signs? The foundation is broken. Do I see any signs that this is going to have to be replaced real soon? Do I see any? So you know, to actually see the house for what it is and not for what we imagine that it can be or will be or should be. You know, that's I don't know. I, I'm I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. I was guilty of that when I was when I was single. And I, I think a lot of people are unless I, I'm crazy. I, I, I
1: agree with that. Well, I seldom like people that I know. Because I think that we initially we do have a crush on the idea of somebody,
2: oh, I thought you meant like it all, like yeah the people, no, romantically I like are them. Horrible. I got yeah,
1: you. my boyfriend was very confused the other day when I was like, I saw them like people man- and he's just like, what, and I'm yeah. like, I mean, I like you, and I've no I know you, like so you do you do fit into it like three percent
2: this is but where like, middle school terms come in like like instead of just yeah, regular like because like,
1: somebody's like oh yeah this person has like this big crush on this person i'm like wait but they know them
2: <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i'm like that's they, just this, like this that's not just the that's, idea of them they actually know that that's allowed that is allowed <laughs> and was just
1: like wow that, they must be really great if they know them and like because uh, I, I do. because i do like people platonically a lot once I get to know them once you get out of that phase it's like oh oh okay you're not just an idea you are a real person and there's these other factors involved yeah.
2: that all brings me to, to something that I I like to point out to people is that okay so th- this really struck me when actor Chris Pratt got divorced from mm-hmm. Anna Ferris. yeah they said something about like oh no no, no we're still good friends we just we we're not in love anymore. We're not in whatever. And it was like this idea of does this person constantly make you happy? And I think we've done this thing like you should be happy more often than not in marriage. And if you're not, then you might need some counseling. You might need to try some different things, whatever it may be because marriage is supposed to be a joyful thing. When, when people just talk about it exclusively, oh, it's a cross. Oh, it's a heavy cross. It's like, you know, to quote uh, Mark Hart from Life Teen. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's that much of a cross, just, you know, throw your bride over your shoulder and carry her down the aisle. Like, you know, it really is a challenge, but it is also supposed to be joyful, but it's not supposed to That person cannot be responsible for your constant happiness. At that point, you've made them your personal God. Like Mm. God is supposed to be the source of joy. And that joy might come through your spouse or it should at times, but it will not constantly, that person cannot be responsible for your happiness constantly. That's just, that's putting too much on another human being.
0: I think that's a, that's a good way to put it too. Yes. Marriage is hard. It's, it's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be miserable. It's going to be challenging and that's okay. I don't think that we should be afraid to do hard things, to do challenging things because that's where we grow.
2: And you know, the thing is, is that a lot of times you get this idea. Oh, don't get me wrong. Disney's Disney makes some good stuff, but the whole Disney princess happily ever after. No, they ruined it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I I mean, I I love my Disney princesses. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) You know, uh, part of that world from The Little Mermaid. It's you know, it's like my it was my theme song basically in high school. Like, why am I not a part of that world? Like, that was me. (laughs) Uh, And uh, no, like, I love my Disney princesses, but that whole happily ever after. Like we I think so often we focus on the we get to that wedding and boom that's the end of the race. And I'm like, no, the goal is heaven. The goal is not. Okay. If you like it, then you better put a ring on it. Like, Oh, okay. The rings on it. Like, but that's not the end of it. You know, that's, that's the beginning. really. It is. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely. And it's the beginning of a covenantal bond. Like, that If you look in scripture, all the covenantal bonds, they, they initiate something. They don't end something or be like, oh, just going to highlight what's already there. Like, that's a beginning. And it's a beginning of something that's essentially permanent, you know, I mean, lifelong at the very least. And, you know, I, I think about this is that with that idea, a lot of people probably forget, you know, you need to, in a sense, keep pursuing your spouse, not mm-hmm. for marriage but to grow deeper in marriage. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article by a counselor one time. Oh, plan a weekly date. Do it the same time, same day of the week, every week. And you plan it one week and then you plan it the other week. And you had, I was reading this article and I thought, I don't have time or money for this. This sounds horrible. And my wife agreed, thank goodness. So, <laughs> uh, so what I like to do, you can just Google random questions. Just search for random questions. And sometimes you'll get the, oh, oh, where were you born? And I'm like, yeah, I already know where my wife was born. Like, that's not, I don't need to ask that one. But sometimes you get really good questions. And I'm going to give you my favorite one. Okay. If animals could talk, who would be the biggest jerk? I love this question. What do you guys think the answer is?
1: Birds? Maybe birds?
2: Just all (laughs) birds? Yeah, God spent half a day of creation creating all the jerks. Is that what you're saying? Is that what Possibly. <laughs> it's possible? It's, it's, it's possible.
1: Or, or maybe raccoons because they're just really dumb. Okay.
0: Maybe. I'm thinking of like an animal. Like what's an animal that really like looked down upon people? Like I'm better than you. Birds. I,
2: <laughs> I I have one and tell me if you think, I think this is the best answer. Okay. Or cats. Cats are the made, made number two. Oh.
1: <laughs>
2: number number one for me, geese.
0: Oh, okay. God, they are really bad. <laughs> yeah,
2: think about geese it. You're awful. driving. There's geese crossing the road. One of the geese is like t- stops, turns, looks they're at you, is voice. refusing to cross. If that goose could talk, it would start cussing you out right then. They're ha, ha, so ha, ha. mean. Like, they're so mean. And they poop yeah. everywhere. And they yell. They would yell at children. I mean, that how how big of a jerk do you have to be to yell at strange <laughs> children? Like that's what a goose does. Anyway, uh, so I like to I like to use these sorts of questions because one, it's fun. Two, it gets us thinking. And sometimes it'll be like, hey, what was your experience with Christmas growing up that I don't know about? What part of that? And then you learn that, then you're not going to need to learn that again. But some of these questions it gets you thinking. It's fun. And, you know, then my, my wife, I tell her this and she's like, Oh, okay. That's what my husband thinks of geese. Like she learns that about me and we (laughs) bond over laughing and we, you know, so that's awesome, but that's something
0: new. Like, I mean, you guys have talked about, you guys know so many personal and intimate things about each other being married. You don't even think of like how they feel about geese in particular, you know?
2: Yes, yes, exactly. And I, I think that, a lot of people run into a certain stagnation in marriage because you get quickly to the point, especially if you have children where your day it's, I mean, it's, it's the day-to-day business. You know, what are we having for dinner? When are we going to go to the grocery store? You know, do the children need to go to bed early who needs to be dropped off where for different things you know, all of this stuff, it becomes a functionality thing. And don't get me wrong. I want my, my marriage to be functional but I want it to be more than that. So I, yeah. I think there's something we just need to consistently be trying to connect in some way. And I've found silly questions like this help. And let's see, somebody, somebody had asked, or you would ask, I don't know, whoever sent me these questions. How do we tell if we could spend the rest of our lives with someone? And I thought this was a great question. So I was thinking about it and I was talking with my wife and I have two answers. Okay, okay. The first one is you can't. You actually can't. And I think this, this is a mistake we make when we think about this life as the end. Because you don't want to make that type of mistake if that is your everything. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you're going to die. And then you have all of eternity. So all of eternity dwarfs this tiny little life that we have. And I think sometimes we tend to focus on this tiny little life more than anything. Not sometimes, most of the time, but there's a reason why they make you take vows and not pinky swears. Like, Mm -hmm. cause there's a legitimate, you have to work at it every day. And there are people who get married and everything's great and it's going to be great. And then 15 years down the road, You know, somebody has major surgery, gets addicted to painkillers. They don't mean to. Things go bad. Things are horrible, and things don't work. And you have to separate for some reason. Now, that's never the goal. No one, no one ever goes into marriage like, oh, this is not going to last. Like you just don't do that. But there are times where people can't be together for one reason or another. I'm not saying you know you got to necessarily get divorced or you necessarily have to this or that. I'm not talking about any of that stuff I'm just talking about there are times where that is a reality mm-hmm. um, and you know people can't be around someone anymore because something changes so you can't entirely if you're looking mm-hmm. for a hundred percent guarantee I mean you're talking about a person who will change yeah so the second answer how do we tell you find someone who shares your unchanging value it's not like, you know, I, I dated a girl a long time ago. We were both really big baseball fans at the time. Yeah, baseball teams have bad years. Yeah. Baseball teams move cities. Baseball teams end up, you know, maybe they, they have a, a day promoting something that you're like, ooh, that's not in accord with my values. Like There are things where the baseball team can go away. Mm -hmm. Or people where, oh, they're both doctors. Oh, they're both, you know, lawyers. Well, you know what? People lose jobs all the time through no fault of their own. That's how the economy works is sometimes things just hit people in Mm -hmm. one way shape or someone gets fired unjustly. That happens. So when you have values that could change, you run the risk of them falling apart. But if you share the sacramental life, Well, the sacraments don't change. The sacraments don't change. So when you have something like that as a foundation, choosing these unchanging things, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to build a sustaining marriage. I mean, you think about it. It's like, if I'm going to build a house, I'm not going to build it. I don't know what it is, what it's with me in house metaphors today and analogies and such. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to build a house, I'm not going to build it on a foundation that's made out of Rubik's cubes. And it's going to shift around periodically. Like that's going to lead, it doesn't mean the house is going to fall, but it does make it more likely that the house Mm -hmm. is going to fall. So having, having that foundation in shared values that are unchanging, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's how you set yourself up for success Mm -hmm. uh, in regards to spending the rest of your life with someone. Yeah. There
0: was a really good, uh, dating talk I heard when I was in college and they talked about, you know, he was a married man and he just kind of made the comments always kind of stuck with me, but as a young college student. But I, he said, when you, when you are dating and when you are looking to get married, you don't pick someone that you want to marry based off how fun they are to go to movies with or dinner, or like do all the, the fun things of dating, That's important too, to have fun together, but you want to pick someone to marry that you want standing with you during the hard times too. And it's most importantly, the hard times when someone loses a job, you want to marry somebody that you're, you're going to be up at 3am cleaning up the puke from one of your kids when they get sick in the middle of the night, you want to be married to that person that Mm -hmm. you want to be taking care of sick kids, sick family members, somebody who's you can take care of, or who will take care of you. If you are very, very ill. You don't, want to be
2: married to somebody who you can be quarantined with for a (laughs) month during a global pandemic or
0: or nine
1: months where you just always are working, living everything.
2: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. There's a, there's another question. Somebody, you know, that was here that says, uh, you know, what are some ways that men can prepare for a vocation to marriage as a single man? One plays into what I was just saying, develop habits that then you can kind of carry into marriage like a habit of regular reconciliation, but also practice self-denial. That's something that I know I didn't practice enough as a single person. And I know a lot of my married friends say they didn't do that. Like, how can I deny myself what I desire? How can I not go to Taco Bell again? Like (laughs) little things like that and then make them bigger things because there's There's a huge, a huge part of marriage is self-denial. You know, I was saying earlier, oh, I got up and and mowed the grass. It's 7.05 a.m. I didn't actually want to. That was the only time I had available this weekend. And I knew that in order to take care of our property, which is a way of, you know, I'm taking care of what we have. I'm showing my children that I'm taking care of our home, which is a way of taking care of the family. I had to do that. Okay, so I got out of bed earlier than I wanted. It's, it's a little thing, but those things happen constantly. So I think that's something that is really important. Let's see, what, what else was on here? I want to make sure I cover a few specific things. Uh, how to prepare to become a husband or wife from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. So the re- I wanted to find that one because right. I, it, it ties in. My best advice on that is to develop a relationship with God not a relationship with spiritual practices. Now okay. let me let me explain because that might sound weird.
1: Well, I think that like because spiritual practices sound like prayer or like how you do that, right?
2: That's that's exactly where I'm going because I remember I was again I was at a young adult event one time and there were some recent college graduates who were sitting there like, oh man, there's there's nowhere around here with 24-hour adoration. And I was like, I think there is. I just don't think you know where it is. <laughs> but they were, they were so used to, oh, the chapel on my campus, it's open 24 seven, I can go in for adoration anytime. And it's like, okay, even if you were able to find the 24 hour adoration chapel, you're probably not going to, you know, adoration at 1130pm, when you have a three year old, you're not going on a, an annual pilgrimage, when you have a mortgage, you're not going to be Go, yeah, I don't know. You're not going to be doing a bunch of these things, going on some service trip when you actually have a family to serve presently. So if you get really committed to those practices, then when you get married and things change, and then if you have kids and things change, yeah. it will be difficult to make the adjustment and maintain the strength of your faith because then your faith is rooted in a practice Not in a relationship with God. That all makes sense?
0: Yeah.
1: Yes.
2: Okay. I've just, I've seen a few people get hit hard by that one. And I thought that's, yeah, that's, that's something I think people need to hear a little bit more about. That's, Um, that's
1: something that, that's the answer that I had in my head. And I was like, okay, let's see if like I need to kind of change, like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like I'm on the right track here.
2: I think so. I certainly think so. There's the, the question about how, you know, how do you prepare for engagement? And do things change? You know, if it says if things change when engaged. Well, uh, yes, things definitely change when you get engaged. Uh, You start to think more long term. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, hey, are we going to are we going to date or go out on a date next week? It's, you know, hey, where are we going to live? Like there's things change and you tend to think more long term at that point. But something I would say about preparing to be engaged and then preparing once you're engaged Talk about real things. Now, you know, I'm not saying that you got to, I once dated someone who spilled some pretty heavy stuff on me. We were chatting on the phone and going to have our first date soon. And she spilled, she just poured some stuff on me. And I was like, I don't think this is pre first date information right here. Like this is like maybe 10th date information. You're jumping the gun completely. So I'm not saying you all jump, jump the gun and talk about the serious stuff really early. Mm -hmm. But if you think you are headed toward engagement, if you are interested in heading toward engagement, talk about the real things, you know, do you, do you feel called to parenthood? You know, how would you want to, how would you continue to grow in faith after married marriage? Would you, uh. After getting married would you be willing to move you know because of work or family or whatever you know like a lot of people wait until they are engaged and then they start doing their mandatory diocesan prep whatever it is and it's like hey have you talked about this and it's like oh talked about should we have children like yeah you should be talking about those sorts of things because unfortunately a lot of people get engaged mm-hmm. and I know people who've been engaged and then no longer are engaged. They don't get married. That's, and that's fine. Better to not get married than to get married to someone you shouldn't be married to. Definitely. But I know that there are a lot of people who essentially treat I'm engaged as this is where this is going, no matter what. And I completely understand why, because Mm -hmm. you get engaged and suddenly the gas pedal is floored and you got a wedding to plan and you got people to tell and you got uh, invitations and who cares and this and stuff that you're like, it has to be this way. And then five years later, you're like, why did I care? And right. then, you know, <laughs> you know, and you got to sit there and be like, are we going to invite those people? I don't want to. All right, let's invite them. <laughs> like, you know, you got to do all of that stuff mm-hmm. or you choose to, you know, I mean, I don't know how people planned weddings before Pinterest, but apparently they did. <laughs> And, the, uh, you know, so the, you, you get into all of this stuff and the excitement and the anticipation and the adrenaline and all this, that it can be very difficult to, it can be easy to be blinded is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So you can get engaged to someone. And then in your mind, it's okay. I'm marrying this person. Mm-hmm. And then you find out something and you're like, maybe we're not as compatible as I thought, mm-hmm. but it's, it's difficult to see that. You avoid that entirely if you start to talk about real stuff prior to getting engaged. And I also think it makes for a much more joyful engagement and a much lower stress engagement because you already have tons of stuff to do. It puts in a whole other burden on top of you to be like, oh, okay, and now let me learn all the serious stuff about this person I'm trying to you know, commit my life to. It's, it's just an extra thing that you can take off your plate earlier and it can help you in the discernment process mm-hmm. it Can help you to say, Hey, yeah, you know, this person isn't willing to commit to me in the way that I thought they were. Okay. Well, now I know that maybe this isn't heading toward engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just, uh, a couple of quick things that I just want to throw out there okay. yeah. um, related to different questions that people have, have asked. I don't want to, you know, take this, have this take forever. It was asked what should men and then what should women look for in a partner? Well, the answer is the same for both. Right. You look, you look for holiness, you look for physical attraction because that is important. Mm -hmm. You look for, you
1: need to like their face. You do. I I think
2: you do. (laughs) Uh, And I would say, look for someone who is willing to love in any love language because your love language that you want to be loved in Mm -hmm will likely change at some point in your life. I know mine's changed just that number of years since I've been married and having kids. I'm like, Oh, it's definitely different. So, so it was asked, uh, what does it mean to be a Christian man in today's society? Uh, Fulton Sheen once said something about how we've, we haven't reached the end of Christianity, but we've reached the end of Christendom. We no longer live in a Christian based society. Mm-hmm. We just don't, I don't know if it's ever going to go back to that but to be a christian is by nature to be an outsider because holiness is set-asideness so mm-hmm. if you are pursuing being a good christian man then you are pursuing holiness which means you are going to probably stick out at times and you are going to be set aside from other aspects of the world you know and the foundation of christianity is worship and the foundation of worship is sacrifice and the Vatican, Vatican II referred to the source and summit of the Christian life, the Eucharist. Well, that's yeah. a sacrifice. Yeah. So to be a Christian man in our contemporary society is to be a man rooted in sacrifice in a culture that's rooted in selfishness. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what it is, is are you a man rooted in sacrifice? That is the foundation of that, as, as I would see it. Let's see what I just want to make sure. these. Oh, it was uh, what are what are daily practices or daily practical tips on walking with the Lord? Commit, but don't overcommit. You know, don't be the person who leaves a retreat and is like, I'm going to pray six rosaries a day. No, don't do that. (gasps) You know, (laughs) there are lots of people. Have you ever seen the movie with Denzel Washington? Remember the Titans?
0: A long time ago, I think. Yes, I have seen Remember the Titans.
2: (laughs) Uh, well, okay. So in, for those of you who don't know, in the movie, it's it's based in the 1960s. They integrate a school racially, and then the football team's integrated, and Denzel Washington, the coach, takes them away to a football camp, and they train. Well, when they leave to go to camp, they they hate each other. They just absolutely do. They go to camp where they're isolated from the world, and by the time they come back, they're singing together. They're best friends. They're sitting on this bus, and it only takes a few days in the real world for them to fall back into their old habits. Well, right. I've seen that happen with retreats for years. I call it the remember the titans effect. You you go on retreat, you go to some event, you go to adoration and you come out and you're like, I'm a new person. <laughs> but then you have to actually face the real world. Yep. And so what I'm saying by commit don't overcommit is, you know, commit but don't be that person who comes off of the retreat and is like, I'm going to daily mass every every day. Okay, good for you.
1: So like have and reasonable I'm do expectations this. And I'm do this. for like yes. what you're gonna do.
2: Yes. And and then after that, to build your practices gradually. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just you know and and one more thing on that about practical tips, try different things. You know, I'm really bad. I just use the rosary as, as an example. I'm really bad at praying the rosary. I have no ability to focus and I feel better that Benedict the 16th. I heard once that he breaks up his rosary into decades throughout the day and he prays it, you know, periodically because he can't focus beyond just the 10 Hail Marys. He's like, no, I gotta, I gotta do some. And so I thought, Oh good. He's got the same bad attention I do, but Oh no, he was Pope. How did he manage that? Somebody with my attention span being Pope sounds so bad, but no, like I, Love listening to Catholic podcasts. I love going to adoration. When I'm at adoration, I really struggle with, okay, how long have I been here? I struggle and I force myself to be present. Same. You know, so there are things that I'm really, really bad at when it comes to the spiritual life. That doesn't mean I just, oh, everything I'm bad at, I avoid. Oh, I'm bad at getting up in the morning to go to mass. I guess I'm not going to mass anymore. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. There are things you push yourself to do. There are things you have to say, no, no, no. I know I'm not great at this, but this is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Then there are other things where you're like, yeah, I'll put it this way. I, again, I'm so bad at the rosary. I've had people sometimes be like, oh, so you do you guys, you know, you, did you get your family rosary in yet today? And I tend to respond with, oh, not today, not yet today. And I feel like I just went to the dentist. I actually (laughs) did just go to the dentist. And I feel like they're like, so have you been flossing every day? And I'm like, not every day. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) this morning, last time you did it. Like, you know, like, you know, and that's how I feel when people ask me about the family rosary, because I just, we can't do it now with my kids. And it's just, it doesn't work for us. But every night before my kids go to bed, we pray our father, hail Mary, glory be angel of God, St. Michael, the archangel, a litany of the same intentions every night. Everybody gets to say what they want to pray for. And then we invoke the names of like, I don't know, five or six saints and then all the saints.
0: So we do that every single
2: night. Yeah. thank you it started off as a stalling technique because my child wouldn't stop crying uh and <laughs> i was like how can i get her to be quiet in the car uh let's just pray a bunch of stuff and i kept adding people so that it would last longer and there you go there you go uh turned into our nightly prayer routine but that works for us yeah. and that's a good that's a good way of praying of, of course. uh if i tried to get my kids to sit through the repetitiveness of the rosary They absolutely wouldn't. Mm. My, my daughter once asked, Oh, can we do that? Other one? She meant the divine mercy chaplet. That's just as much repetition. Well, she, she did not make it very long in that. Right. So yeah, try different things and don't feel like boxed into a corner with your spiritual practices. It says, if you could tell single men, anything about marriage, uh, what would it be? I already mentioned marriage is not about your happiness, uh, fertility is not just a woman's thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fertility, you know, if, if you're a man, you also ha- not, nah, it might not work. You might not be fertile, but you also have a reproductive system and mm. the whole compatibility, you know, you're, you're necessary for that. Now, granted, a lot of fertility related tweaking, you know, dealing with fertility issues often has to do with the woman's cycle often has to do with whether or not she's ever had endometriosis or PCOS or any number of different things. Like, so I get that, but you are as much a part of that as a, as a married man, as, as your wife is. And so to try to be aware of that and not push it off on her, but to Mm -hmm. engage one more thing about to tell single men fatherhood is primarily spiritual you know a lot of people they get obsessed with you know the the idea of uh, being a biological father or whatever you know saint joseph was jesus's father he was not the one who fathered him but he was his earthly father and i'm just going to completely rip off scott hahn here but it doesn't make sense that god is father unless Fatherhood is primarily spiritual because God does not have a body. God does not. I mean, Jesus is incarnate. Yes. But God, God, the father, God, the (laughs) father does not have a wife. God, the father does not engage in the sexual act in that way to father us. God does participate in the conception of children. So I don't want to say that God is separate from the sexual. There's so many nuances to this stuff. It's, it's right. But, but that's the case is fatherhood is primarily first and foremost, spiritual. And I've found that approaching it from that perspective really helps understand fatherhood and my role as a father. Let's see. I want to make sure, Oh, uh, how to discern dating a particular person and, and discerning pursuing that person in marriage. Some simple questions. Is this person striving for holiness? Do we have things in common? Do we like being together? Do I find this person physically attractive? Am I prepared to give everything for the good of the other person? If you can answer yes to all of those, you're in a really good place. You're in a really good place to say, hey, maybe this is a person I want to be with for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the end, it it comes down to you guys got to pray about it and determine and also if the other person says no it doesn't matter <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's like one of the findings like when like people are like oh why are you single like how are you still single all those kinds of questions that single people deal with I I had that before I started dating my boyfriend and it's just like well there's people that I like there's people that like me and like did many, many times it wasn't mutual
2: yeah absolutely (laughs) or it's Um, like there
1: was an attraction that's okay difference of like belief systems like well we did like it like there were people that we did like each other but there was like hey deal breaker was they weren't catholic and they also were into they wanted to do other things that i was not willing to do
2: (laughs) yeah um it was uh what do single men need what uh, what affection men need to feel loved by women once married that's going to vary from man to man, depending on his love language and his experience and all sorts of things like that. But my tip to women is do what I call find an Adam. See, my wife was really into me. And then my dad died very suddenly. And I was obl- I was already oblivious. First, I'm a man. Second of all, I was a youth minister. And third of all, I'm me. So I was already oblivious. And then I suffered a tragedy and I didn't notice anything. I happen to be working security at at a Matt Marr concert. And a friend of mine was involved in it. it. was like, can you work security? And I was like, well, I'm really mad my dad died. So yeah. So I stood there looking angry the whole night. And oh. a fellow youth minister texted me. He's like, my teens are scared of you. I was like, good.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> and no, that's that's the job.
2: That's the job. So I'm still guarding the stage afterwards. Because <laughs> I was told to up until a certain point because of the equipment's up there. And my buddy Adam, who was, was a very close friend of my wife's, came up and started talking to me. And I just randomly said, Yeah, you know, I felt like God was going to send me the woman I'm going to marry. But now I'm not sure I could offer myself to someone because of where I am. And he just very simply told me that, uh, you know, my now wife was into me that he phrased it as if you asked her on a date, she would say yes. And I oh, suddenly. saw I've had saw that conversation.
1: Her. That's like if you ask this person out, they will say yes. If you ask them yeah. out, they're not that they're into you, but they yeah, there's a high chance that they would say yes and not no. Yeah, like that, find, <laughs> just go find, for it.
2: <laughs> find friends who will break it to you and break it to others, and you know, spread that around. Say, hey, yeah, yeah, that, that person wants you to ask them out. Oh, yeah, that person hey, that person doesn't. You know, like that. <laughs> having those friends, having an Adam, great thing to have. Um, <laughs> I already touched on this a little, but let me just say it says, How do men uh give and receive love compared to women? This question is a mistake that most people make, um, which is lumping all men in and all mm-hmm. women in together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I once heard somebody describe this as it's like we tell middle schoolers about chastity and we'll be like, hey guys control yourselves and then we look at the girls and say hey girls control them and it's like well first of all we just lumped them all in together and then we'll say men are visual women are audio audio auto whatever ears and it's like okay but meet a deaf woman like that's not true okay or meet a woman who goes and sees the uh 50 shades of nonsense movies like Mm -hmm. that's that's visual so The, the universalizing some of these things can be really problematic. So mm-hmm. I'll just say it depends on the individual man okay. or woman, and it depends on their love language, their experience, because experiences shape the lens through which we view things. Right. And if you have a particular hurt or a particular whatever, that's going to view, you know alter the lens. And individually, we all need to sit there and say, what is my hurt? And then find a way with God's help to heal that hurt so that we can have an accurate lens through which we're viewing the world. But most of us don't bother to take the time to do that. And it sets us up for failure. Let's see. Oh, what are things that men and women might not be thinking about when looking forward to singleness being done? Many of you who are single and feel called to marriage It might be, you might be feeling this burden, this struggle of like, this is a heavy weight. I feel called to this, but I can't find anyone. And this keeps disappointing me. And I keep, and it's just, it's okay to acknowledge the weight of that burden because it is a legitimate burden. Mm -hmm. It is a legitimate cross to carry. And, you know, you use the time to prepare yourself for if you are married in the future, but if that's all you do, then you're not focusing on, I don't know, I don't, I, don't want, I, I don't want people to abandon themselves for the sake of a marriage that may never happen. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. So a- acknowledge the burden and, and be present to building your relationship with God, whether or not. I think we say that a lot. Build your relationship with God. Build yourself up for when you are married. No, build your relationship with God regardless of whether or not you end up married Mm -hmm. like that's that's how yeah exactly and let's see just practical tips to prepare your heart mind you know habits etc i've touched on these but i'll just say prayer reconciliation both as a habit get good spending habits because it just helps i think every woman should chart her cycle no matter what I just, I really oh, do I agree with of, that. My know, sister and, met
1: a woman that said that she's, oh, so, she, this woman's engaged and she's been charting her cycle on her own for a while just because her own stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, you should like be charting for like at least two years before you're married just so that you can have good data.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't know about should I I hate the word should because it creates an absolute and especially if someone's listening and they're like they end up engaged tomorrow and get married seven months from now like I don't (laughs) I don't want them to be like but I didn't and you know we've had people we speak at engaged retreats and they'll be like oh man I should have been doing this it's like okay but start now so and forget about me who cares what I think my wife the high risk OB nurse who has dealt with issues and who's pregnant with our third child and who teaches OB nurses, her credentials speak for herself. My wife thinks women should be charting. Let's go with that. And let's see, you know, Oh, I, and this is really the, the last one. It, it says physical boundaries in engagement, you know, obviously after
1: the couple themselves and what they're able to,
2: yes, do, right? obviously there are, there are lines you shouldn't cross but be aware of yourself. And there's Mm -hmm. a friend of mine once said, you know, when you love someone and you ask how far is too far, okay, if you love someone, you don't walk right up to the edge of a cliff and hope they don't fall off. Right. You try and take them away from the cliff. So what boundaries are necessary for you in Mm -hmm. your state to not cross those lines? And so, yeah, build a fence around temptation. Yeah, I think that answered everything that you guys sent me. Sorry, that took a while. (laughs) Awesome.
0: that is awesome that was good yeah i i appreciate so much the the outlooks that you have because you yeah you're experienced and because it is kind of hard i know a lot of the people who listen are you know single or maybe they're dating somebody but um not necessarily ready for engagement and it's just really good to have this kind of perspective of someone who's kind of like been through that a little bit Um, we also have married listeners (laughs) Well, and that's, that's great. And I bet they have a lot yeah. too. They I do tell them, them like, you know, this isn't like
1: catered for you. This is for single people. Yes. You can still listen. And they are like, yeah, we get a lot out of this. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't know what that is. Cause I'm not there yet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, so moving forward with grounds to cover, mm-hmm. Tim, you gave us some really good practical tips. If you're a single person, how you can, continuing your discernment, but also trying to prepare yourself for the larger commitment of marriage, um, if that's what you're called to, Uh, you already gave up some really great tips for that. Or maybe if you're dating somebody or getting engaged, you know, you also gave some really good practical advice for those things. Something else I might add, I like what Tim, you said, a unique way that you can prepare for marriage is to practice self-denial, particularly for men. But I think that that might be something that really good that you could do, that we could practice this week is it's like a penance. Do something that's a little bit more of self-denial, a penance. Offer that up for somebody that you love. Maybe just for the sake of your future spouse, you can offer up a sacrifice or do a little bit more prayer. Do something that might be a little bit challenging. It's not necessarily comfortable. A little bit of self-denial. Try to work on that sacrifice part. I think also something Give a little love to someone in your life. Do something special for a friend or a loved one, whoever it is. Do something nice for them, whatever. Maybe have the conversation. How do you like to be loved? How do you like to receive love? And then do something for them. Um, Do something that just shows, hey, I care about you. You're important to me. doesn't have to be a a big thing, but just put a little joy in their life. A
1: thought I had was... um... To take care of yourself spiritually and with the sacraments, but also allow for flexibility in how you're doing it.
0: That's a good one.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> Something I always like to tell young adults regardless of the topic, and I think this is, I think this is very relevant because in, if you are in a single state and you are over the age of 18, and let's be honest, the church doesn't know what to do with you. Okay, they just don't all right they don't. You get,
1: we've talked about this they don't know what to do with us no <laughs> They're they like, don't you're still single oh crap
2: <laughs> yeah no exactly and so what um what i've noticed is i mean my favorite example is you know you get a guy he goes off to college he comes back and it's like oh welcome back okay so knights of columbus or usher both great enjoy being around 60 year olds oh you're it's a like,
0: woman th- oh
1: well, good
2: luck. Good luck. Li- yeah, that's it. Like <laughs> they, they they literally don't have a suggestion for you guys. And for the men, it, it's almost sometimes begging. And I'm not knocking the Knights of Columbus at all. I am one. Um, but <laughs> my suggestion for young adults is always figure out what gifts you have and what experiences and training you have and bring it to your pastor as a suggestion because he probably ain't coming to you. And I like to say things like, hey, are you good at web design? Please go fix their website. I've never been to your particular parish website, whoever you are. It's probably bad. Okay, it just
0: guaranteed. Is. I think it's um, in canon law. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it must be bad website. Yes. Be bad. <laughs> oh, blessed Carlo! Please help us all.
0: Anyway,
2: <laughs> us. Um, no, but uh, like that. Or did you learn how to do a blood drive in your, for your sorority in college? Hey, you know, see if you can help with that. Do you know how to put homilies on his podcast? Do you know how to put good homilies on a podcast? Let me yes. let me rephrase that. And, you know, then bring it, go up to your pastor, your associate pastor, see if he would be comfortable with that being a thing. So I don't know what your particular talent is. And as I get to be, you know, having more kids and getting to be 80, I don't actually know what talents people have when, when people are like Instagram reels. And I'm like, real as in like, what isn't fake? Like, what are you talking about? And like, No, Instagram is full of fake people. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't get it then. I'm old. I don't know what talents young people have anymore. Whatever your talent is, figure it out and bring it to the pastor and say, you know, is it possible for me to do X to contribute to the parish? And I, who knows? He might say, I don't know what that means. So no, that what, what is, what is TikTok? <laughs> like he won't get it. But at the same time, he might be like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's, you know, let's get that. So that's my suggestion is you be the one to initiate and bring him new ideas.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, That is so good. That's a good Ooh. one too. Uh, well, we really appreciate <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here guys. If you would be so kind as to go check out Tim's website and his ministry called love worth chasing. Uh, He's got some really, really great stuff up there. He's, he's written all kinds of articles. And so we'll put a link in the podcast description of one of his articles that will take you to that website, but go check it out. It's good stuff. He's just got really good perspective and good life advice across the board. So yes, Tim, thank you for taking the time to, to chat with us and, and be here. We really appreciate that.
2: Oh, you're welcome. My phone literally just told me I have low battery. That's how <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Good, All right. <laughs> good timing. Good timing.
0: Great timing. So, well, yes. And Tim is also available. If you want him to come and speak, I think you give talks and presentations, right? To I do. groups of people. I, so I
2: give talks to any type of guy. I've spoken at youth conferences. I, I've spoken to, you know, full parishes. I've spoken at young adult groups. I'm just around whatever.
0: Awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm yeah, available. So, yes. So if you want Tim to come to you, you can, we can put his information in the podcast as well. So yes, Tim, thank you again for being here.
2: We appreciate hey, it's it. It's been my yes, pleasure thank you so much. You're <laughs> very welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. And to you listeners, thank you for tuning in. We love you. We're praying for you and we will catch you next time. Yes. Bye. Thanks for stopping by Carol's coffee house this week. We hope you found our conversations to be uplifting and inspiring. Also, congratulations to Thanks Tim for stopping and his wife, who recently recently this week. welcomed a baby we hope girl into their family. To be we hope that everyone inspiring. is happy and healthy. Also, congratulations Don't forget to, to him and his wife, who recently welcomed a baby girl into their family. We hope that everyone is happy. We really and appreciate healthy. all of your support and, and then encouragement. Don't forget to check out and your Tim's website for more great to bring content good at good If you have any ideas of topics you'd really like to more about, we really appreciate all of your support and encouragement. Reach out and to us. Feedback you can find us on Twitter at carol underscore podcast. podcast or email us at If you at have Carol's any ideas of topics, at or Have a great week and guys, like out to us. You can find us on Twitter at carol underscore podcast or email us at Coffeehouse at gmail.com. Have a great week and God bless.